passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Here's a sample of a free podcast from the Post Wrestling Cafe. $6 gets you through the door at postwrestlingcafe.com. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wayne. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. 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 Welcome, everyone, to a special free edition of Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock, and Wei Ting is with me. The best way we sound is always free. Hello, Wei. Hello, John. A very special free hello. Usually, I, I people have to pay to, for me to say hello to you. but this Well, is on a Friday cool. night, you do. So <laughs> uh, welcome all that are tuning in. Uh, this is our regular Friday night tradition for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So if you enjoy our voices for another night of the week, uh, do head on over to postwrestlingcafe.com, where right off the top, headline news, I, I think one of our top rewindaways, at least for me personally, I really loved uh, this week's show, a really in-depth historical look at season one of The Ultimate Fighter, two-plus hours of myself and Mr. Ting going back to 2005 and chatting about uh, the season, the whole lead-up to all the different reports going into that season, what the initial ideas were, some of the casting notes, and then going through uh, multiple episodes of the season along with the finale fight between Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner. So want to shine a bit of a light on that one because I think it's a really great uh, look at the a super pivotal moment in the history of mixed martial arts. And I would say in combat sports, John, you know, um, I mean, it gave rise to, I think it's some, an entity that right now is certainly a partnership with the WWE for the, but for the past, you know, almost two decades, um, a, a big competitor, at least on pay-per-view and, and, uh, something that I think has forced the WWE to at least respond, um, throughout its, its own history. So I really enjoyed the conversation and it was a wonderful selection from our executive producer, Jake Olinar. All right, so you can go check that up, uh, check that out at postwrestlingcafe.com. Also coming up later tonight on the cafe will be a final battle review with Kate from Montreal and John Cena. So we have not seen the show. I did see Zero Hour, but we will not be chatting about the ROH pay-per-view. That will be coming up late tonight. Then we've got Collision Course Saturday with Kate and John. And then Sunday, 
I'll have a UFC 296 review with Eric Marcotte live at 11 a.m. here on the YouTube channel. Sunday night, the NWA podcast will cap off the weekend with Andrew, Nate, and Chris Ely. So lots of stuff to look forward to. A super busy day in professional wrestling and MMA, for that matter. We have a lot of news to get into and I'm very curious to see what the feedback is to Final Battle, how many people seek this out, and the experiment that they are running where this is an Honor Club exclusive. Certainly. Um, I believe there are 14 matches um, on this card, maybe even more since um, that I, I last checked. So, um, Cino and Kate will have a lot to go through tonight. Um, so they might go. You're... They might just bleed right into Collision Course when they finish their review of Final Battle. It might take all morning um, and, and evening to, to get there. But um, join them after you are done listening to this. We're doing this for free because we have that show on the Post Wrestling Cafe. So I assume by the time we're done this, they'll be up and running over at postwrestlingcafe.com. All right. Without further ado, let us dive into the news. I want to start off with the passing of Osamu Kido, who was, um, you know, a, a, a fixture within Japanese professional wrestling going all the way back to the late 60s when he debuted for the JWA and then leaving when Anoki did and was part of that very first day roster of New Japan Pro Wrestling on March the 6th of 1972. He was on the undercard where Anoki faced Carl Gotch in the main event at Oda Ward City Gymnasium, which is still where they always hold the anniversary card each and every year up until the present. So he was part of, he was just part of the fabric of New Japan throughout the the 70s. Uh, Him and Tatsumi Fujinami, they traveled together over to Germany. And Kido was very much um, under the mentorship of Carl Gotch. He went to train with him in Florida and then returned to New Japan. That was sort of his excursion. And then when the UWF got going, it was sort of at the prompting of Gotch that Kido decided to break away from New Japan and go to this upstart, uh, which included the the likes of like uh, Fujiwara and Nobuhiko Takata. And of course you had Akira Maeda. And when the UWF folded, a lot of the big stars came back to New Japan and you did sort of the promotion versus promotion angle. Kido was involved in that, but probably he's probably not the most famous match of Kido's career, but it was one that he was kind of caught in the middle of. And that's a very famous match from November of 1987. It was a six man tag where Kido was teaming with Maeda. Um, It was, it was a six man tag and, what was happening was that Ricky Choshu was applying the Sasori Gatame, the Scorpion Deathlock, onto Kido. And as he's basically doing the move, he's putting the legs through. And before he's wrapping him around and turning, in comes Akira Maeda, who blasts Choshu with a kick to the face, breaking his orbital bone. The very legitimate spot here. And they did get the match like kind of back on track to get a finish, but this was a huge scandal in japan it was a very ugly moment in professional wrestling that here was a guy that was essentially defenseless that did not know this was coming and gets his orbital bone shattered and i think this would play so much differently today like this person would probably be just scorned by the wrestling public for such a heinous action but in this era of professional wrestling in japan it gave Maeda the rep as like this dangerous shooter. And so when he would not accept this punishment, he left and he was part of, they relaunched the UWF, built it around Maeda. And this scene was kind of like his shooter rep that he got as here is somebody that in, um you know, got 
in this controlled environment that we thought of as pro wrestling, here's a guy that is not um, just playing by the rules of professional wrestling. So it actually kind of enhanced his image, even if it was a pretty deplorable um, action that is really hard to uh, uh, applaud. But this was, you know, it was Osamu Kido who was kind of just the uh, the third man there in the in the midst of this thing between Maeda and uh, Choshu. But uh so for the second go around of the UWF, Kido does not leave New Japan. He stays with the company and he's again a fixture in a lot of the tournaments each year, both the the precursor to the G1 and for the World Tag League. He participated in some of the formal G1s in the mid-90s. His last one was in 2000 and then retired in 2001 and he would come back over the next decade in sporadic matches for Big Mouth Loud, he did a, an All Japan match, an Anoki Genome Federation match, but his post-wrestling uh, legacy was as one of the coaches in the dojo, and he was training a lot of sort of that next generation, like Wataru Inoue was involved there, Ryusuke Taguchi, Kenzo Suzuki, but I would say maybe the most uh, prominent one he was attached to was as the trainer for Shinsuke Nakamura, and he was sort of this is when Yuji Nagata was one of the coaches, but was really not hands-on with Nakamura. Like, Kido was his specific trainer. He was there in the corner for him when Nakamura debuted in 2002. And they saw Nakamura as, like, this is at the time of the whole crossover to MMA. And Nakamura was one of the guys thrown into some of these fights and actually came out of it ahead of things and kind of got, like, a good rep for himself. And you look at the... The MMA crossovers, Nakamura was not one of those guys who got uh, kind of tarnished by it. He actually like elevated his legacy from it. But uh, Nakamura talked about Keto at length in his book that came out uh, a number of years ago. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure an awful loss for uh, Nakamura as well. But uh, Keto had quietly been battling cancer for a number of years. So he was 73 years of age. So uh, our, our condolences uh, to him. But he, it was you know just a, a fixture in Japanese wrestling going back decades and decades. A story that just broke tonight was uh, Liv Morgan, who was arrested on Thursday evening in Sumter County in Florida after it was spotted that she was driving erratically and a county sheriff's deputy uh, noticed that she was uh, like going between the lines on the road. And when she was pulled over, um, the sheriff detected marijuana odor and found marijuana inside of a bag inside of her car, along with a vape pen uh, that had a, a substance that they tested for marijuana as well. So she is facing possession charges of a synthetic cannabinoid, possession of marijuana and possession of drug equipment. So she was arrested Thursday night. She was let out on a $3,000 bond. And PW Insiders reporting that she will be arraigned on these charges on February the 12th. So this was, um, yeah, not a not a good look, I would say, for Lib Morgan. Um, I would say if, listen, I have smoked to, to your heart's content. Don't get into a vehicle. Like, we've just been through um, many of these cases. Like, obviously, the, this is a... A smaller version of it, but the principle is the same. I think substances behind the wheel of a car, I think we could all learn from that greatly. Certainly. Yeah. Um, really unfortunate. And, uh, you know, with, I, I think, um, as competitive as this industry is and as few spots that are available for women in this company, it's something like this could be detrimental completely to her career. Um, and so, you know, let's, uh, let's see what happens here. 
Yeah, WWE has not commented on it yet. Again, the story only, uh, the news only broke this evening. I mean, the arrest happened 24 hours ago, but it was just coming out um, just over the last few hours. Another story that came out uh, Friday evening is an update from Kenny Omega, who posted a photo from a hospital bed, noting that he is out indefinitely. Uh, He posted a message essentially saying, I cannot sugarcoat this, and he has been putting off this pain for as long as he could, and obviously very serious here. Um, Fightful Sean Ross Sapp had posted a report that apparently he has been diagnosed with diverticulitis, which is obviously uh, nothing to uh, mess with, a very, very uh, serious ailment. And I mean, he was he wrestled last week against Ethan Page in Montreal. And then we saw him on Wednesday during the uh, the non wrestling segment with uh, with Jericho starts and Big Bill. Conventional wisdom would state that I don't think that world's end match is going to be happening at the end of the month. I mean, diverticulitis like this could be months that he is out. Nor does it need to. I mean, you know, does a guy need to rush any sort of comeback to take part in in a Golden Jets match? I mean, really, um, I I hope, you know, I guess the severity of the diverticulitis maybe remains to be seen. But if he says he's out indefinitely, I I mean, I hope he, he's able to make a full recovery no matter how long it takes. Kenny Omega is one of the most important people to that company's um, well-being. And, you know, this past year, has, he's he was involved in some incredible matches. Um take some time off recover and then come back um, maybe in time for Wembley at this point yeah I mean it's it, it's hard to say like what, what what the timetable will be obviously you know you're you're attacking something like diverticulitis that is going to take all of your attention but you would hope that slowly some of this is curbing and it was brought up with, with Wesley going into deadline the fact that here was a guy that Sean Michaels pointed out like this was not the company yanking him and you know trying to protect him from himself it was Wes Lee who went to them and said I cannot do this match um mm-hmm. in the pain that I'm in and at least that is a change in things just in the sense of guys that would just push themselves to an ungodly limit and just be too fearful of removing themselves from their spot like here's Wes Lee that we figure was going to be winning a title and he just said listen I I can't do this and having like that probably isn't happening in another in another generation um, for for a Kenny Omega here. Like this is a guy with a very very uh, protected spot as well. But uh, who knows how long he's been dealing with this either? It seems like this was something he was more of the mindset of just working through and pushing until it was unbearable. Right. We don't know. Like we we don't know if this what sort of symptoms he might have had. Um, I I, I imagine. A, a diagnosis might have not really been there until you know the pain got so bad that that he figured this out um but i'm sure i mean wrestlers we know work hurt all the time right um but it gets to a point i suppose in this case or in wesley's case where you just can't even push we go on over to japan and there was an announcement of the formation of united japan pro wrestling These are nine companies that are all getting together. New Japan, All Japan, NOAA, DDT, Stardom, Tokyo Joshi Pro, Gombar, Big Japan, and Dragon Gate. All coming together with uh, this from the announcement. Without an industry-wide group of professional wrestling in Japan, the unprecedented crisis of the COVID-19 pandemic made it all the more clear that there was a need to consolidate and express accurate information and best operating practices between promotions, as well as to communicate effectively with national and municipal governments. In a bid to better anticipate and adapt to societal changes in the future, nine Japanese promotions at the forefront of pro wrestling in the country will be part of a collective industry group 
The members of the group will maintain their individual business identities and competition in the marketplace, but the group will provide a space to discuss issues that concern the industry at large and to exchange information with an interest in maintaining its growth. The formation of the group will be marked by an event on May the 6th, 2024 in Nippon Budokan under the banner of United Japan Pro Wrestling. So this is the closest we've got to like the United Nations of professional wrestling uh, coming together. And uh, this is like the... uh, the, the the intel of all these Japanese companies uh, that will work together and we will put together a show on May the 6th together. I, I love the idea. I, I, I love the fact that it's happening. I mean, I, it sounds like it's, it's happening sort of out of a necessity as the industry in Japan is still somewhat recovering, you know, due to the de- devastation of the pandemic. Um, I also wonder how much um, this is kind of being spurred on by the growing strength of the North American promotions. I mean, WWE as always has has been a global leader, but now with AEW taking up so much of, you know, the 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 international wrestling audience's attention, is there more pressure for Japanese promotions, New Japan included, you know, to band together to provide a united power? <laughs> I, I hate to to maybe use uh, you know such political terms, but it's, you know, it's it's a great point that I didn't give a whole lot of thought to. But when you see over the past month, when you have names like Okada and Julia being rumored of interest, like I'm, I'm certain that there is something to that as well of like at, at the end of the day, um, like Cyber Agent owns Noah and DDT and you have Bushi Road as well as behind New Japan. It's not like these are just like mom and pop groups that are just, you know, strict like granted this is not the size of of a of an of an endeavor a tko for instance but you you have to imagine that's on their radar of are we slowly becoming um a feeder system where even an okada is not even someone that is like this was always in japan they did not have the fear of a masawa leaving or a kobashi leaving it was this idea that they will always like our our national our national stars, they will always be loyal to their home company. They are not going to be leaving. Foreigners will come and go, but we have our stalwarts and the world's changing. And now a WWE, they may be very uh, interested in an Okada or a Julia. And conversely, AEW, are we going to be happy that Okada is signed elsewhere and we get him three times a year as opposed to being our, our Antonio Inoki that Ghetto has booked him as? What do you think this does to perhaps, um, you know, maybe at this point, colder discussions of, you know, what WWE wanting to get into the Japanese um, wrestling scene? I, I, I think that Japan is a really tough market to come in if you're if you're a foreign owned company. I think that their best bet would simply be to look at the talent that they're interested in. I don't know what benefits them to try and they've obviously had interest at, at different points over their their history and not even all that long ago where they were looking at the idea of like buying a company in Japan. But like to, to what end? Like was was NXT UK that successful of of an endeavor and what was, what money was put into that? Like NXT Europe just remains this idea that at some point i'm sure they will address but i mean we've gone now an entire year there's not going to be any nxt europe in 2023 remains to be seen in 2024 but i i don't know if that would be my my interest is like creating these if, if i was going to go and like put an, a physical like performance center down or a company 
I just think Japan is really tough. The UFC found that out firsthand. Could, you know, for this show that they're about to put on, um, could we see maybe the formation of, of any sort of like singular championship, maybe similar to like what the NWA was? More titles. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like this is, it remains to be seen what this will be. Are these really going to be dream matches or is this going to be sort of like our, our celebratory like tags or, or each company sends in a match? Like, and how well will they play along? You know, like there's no doubt still New Japan is the top dog in all of this. But politically, I imagine like anytime you're trying to book, you know, between promotions and having one person go over the other, it, it's, it still represents a very tricky situation. So. And we might not even get interpromotional on this show. Like it might be like, you know, Gunbar wants their their 10 minutes. <laughs> it would certainly be disappointing. I mean, the, the point of, of having all the ch- talent in Japan together would be to, you know, in, in, increase awareness in every product by promoting the, the biggest dream matches. So oh, we'll see what the show is uh, when it comes. I want to talk about this. This was um, announced on Thursday that Discovery is launching a six-episode series called Big Little Brawlers. Now, Discovery obviously is owned by Warner Brothers Discovery. And this series is going to debut on Tuesday, January the 9th at 10 p.m. Eastern. So it'll air right after NXT on Tuesday nights. And it's going to feature talent from the Micro Wrestling Federation based out of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And I'm more interested in the fact that this is a WBD property that clearly has an interest in something adjacent to professional wrestling like this is a reality series but it is a pro wrestling based one and it's a one-hour series it's six episodes so i mean it remains to be seen like how much of a how much are they paying for this it's it's probably not a a gigantic deal but regardless it, it is wrestling that you're seeing on a warner brothers discovery property and like what does that really tell you about when we know the fact that you have a pro wrestling company in AEW that was again shopping Ring of Honor very aggressively, and th- there was there were no bites on the Warner Brothers Discovery end for. So I'm assuming this is more of a reality show than a, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Hard to say. Um. This is, of course, very different from I think the product that Ring of Honor would have provided, which is basically you know another hour or two or three of um, AEW programming. Um, I, I would imagine this is more of an experiment to see if it's a reality show that might take off. Will you be watching? I maybe if, if I hear good things about it, maybe I'll sample it, but I, I am not looking to cram in more hours of professional wrestling on a weekly basis. Well, I, I don't even know if you like, is there an ability to even see the matches themselves or are we strictly talking just the reality show here? This is just uh, like a six episode reality series. So th- this is just going to be highlights and, you know, right. more personality driven than matches. But maybe this will be their their version of Ultimate Fighter. Welcome to the Microtorium. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Micro wrestling. Okay. Tennessee cool. zone. All right. AEW Revolution tickets went on sale today. This is for the March 3rd pay-per-view that will feature Sting's debut and the pre-sale began on Thursday. They moved over 7,000 tickets for the pre-sale, according to WrestleTix. And then the same outlet had an updated figure today. So as of Friday afternoon, they have distributed 10,700 tickets for this show, which I think is a phenomenal advance mm-hmm. for Revolution. And it tells you that Sting's retirement, it number one, people are taking this retirement very seriously. They have obviously chosen a market that it means something for. And th- this 
I think is one of outside of um, anything Wembley related. I think this is one of the best um, live event related news items for AEW in some time. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, a career like Sting's is incredibly rare and um, it seems like this is the type of retirement that people are actually buying. Um, so, you know, that plus I, I think the location, you know, makes probably made, made a big um, uh, was a big factor in, in, in the success of, of this uh, initial sale, uh, on sale as well. So, um, yeah, it's a good sign. And and what is that capacity capacity again at the Greensboro Coliseum? As roughly? I can recall, I I believe Greensboro can go over 20. Like it's it's a really big venue. I I don't see them hitting that mark, but um who knows that this is, you know, this is like the first day ticket sales and you move 10,000, I'd be mm-hmm. super happy with 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 that figure. Um yeah. so that's that's a great start for this uh retirement and I I think it's a given that that's the main event that everything is built around and yeah. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how how the lead up is is handled and once that starts to take shape in a couple of It months. almost seems kind of rare that like in wrestling you you have this much um warning ahead of time that somebody's somebody's going to retire. I mean, often retirements just simply take are forced because of injury or people might decide, I don't know, like I don't know the the, the day before that they're going to retire. Like you never got the um or or you win the ring card girl of the year award and you announce your retirement at the world MMA awards like Brittany Palmer did on Thursday night. She's retiring. Wow. Well, she's had quite the long career. Really. 16 years. Well, that's amazing. Wow. Yes, I know she was with WEC originally and then came to the UFC when uh, WEC was absorbed. And she's been like, <laughs> she's been there as long as like any of the fighters, uh, probably longer than pretty much uh, like what fighters are having 16 year careers. It's a very small number. And, and the pressure to, to keep that appearance up for that long. Um, it, it, I'm sure it was a lot of hard work. So, I mean, not, not to say she, she, she might not be, you know, uh, keeping up appearances beyond um, retired um, ring card girl life, but maybe a bit less pressure. So congratulations to her. That's really nice. Moving on to Dynamite ratings. The Winter is Coming show did 845,000 viewers, 0.30 in the demo. So this was their highest 18 to 49 number since October 17th. They also had a big boost in 18 to 34. It was up 41% this week. And after several weeks um, where NXT, they even beat AEW a couple of weeks in the 18 to 34 demo, but they've been battling very close. And this week, Dynamite more than doubled NXT from Tuesday night in the 18 to 34 demo. So very strong for Dynamite in that sense. And the well, they got an enormous lead in the Big Bang Theory did over 1.1 million viewers. So the first quarter was a giant. So throwing out that first quarter that had Samoa Joe and Roderick Strong and Hangman Page, the next highest quarter was the 845 to 9 p.m. segment that had the Von Erichs backstage and then the Golden Jets segment with Starks and Big Bill that did 888,000 and 431K in the 18 to 49 demo, that coming from WrestleNomics. So uh, overall, this was a good number for uh, Winter is Coming, and they also got the benefit of no – there was one NBA game, but it was on um, – it was on the NBA network, so or NBA TV, so it wasn't on a major cable network. So AEW was number one on cable of of sports programs on Wednesday night. So a good number for them coming out. And then a final couple of notes here. Um, I was going to go into UFC 296. The main things uh, coming up on Saturday night. First of all, way uh, you saw some of this press conference, and I watched this press conference on Thursday where Colby Covington was so cringeworthy and just absolutely just abhorrent 
in terms of his building up of this fight with Leon Edwards. I could today I was talking to way and I brought this up and way was like, Oh, I saw the comment. And afterwards I was like, which one? Because there's literally three on this one that were all atrocious, but one that was just above and beyond all of them, where he invoked um, Leon Edwards' father, who was murdered when Leon Edwards was 13 years old. Um, Like, listen, there are people that will just, they they love any of this kind of trash talk. There is no line, but it's just, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's, and then tonight they, they did another press conference to build up all their cards for next year. And you've got Sean Strickland up there dropping the F word. And I'm not talking about the traditional F word, the the F word. I'm not going to state here. And I'm just thinking to myself, like there was a time in professional wrestling that I would be absolutely mortified if like my parents walked in and this was on television. Like I was genuinely embarrassed about some of what I was watching. And that's never been the case in my life of MMA. Like people don't like the violence. They don't like certain aspects of MMA. And that to me is something I'm more than willing to defend why I enjoy this, this kind of shit from the UFC. I am like, I would be mortified if like I was watching this and my wife came in and it's like this, this culture that has permeated itself. It's just more and more. And hearing this stuff just uttered. So like we had in these two press conferences, um, a guy making light and try and making jokes about a guy being a pedophile about his dead father about um, I'm going to beat you worse than your father did when you were a kid. And then Sean Strickland dropping like the F word and then doing it again moments later, like not even like he caught himself and felt like, Oh boy, I shouldn't have said that. Like It was just, I don't know, man, maybe I just sound old, but it's like, this is so um, bottom barrel that, I don't know. If you get entertainment out of this, I definitely question your taste. Well, I mean, when I saw it, I I think um, these clips, um, I mean, the first thing that really came to mind was uh, Jerry Springer. You know, it's it's not all that. That's what these press conferences are like. They're a total circus sideshow that I don't even know if I'd want to participate in, to be quite honest. Like at the same time, media, they're there to just be it's a clown show to sell the pay-per-view. And granted, there's fans that love this shit. And but it is. It's totally. So that's, but but John, isn't that the bottom line? You know, and isn't that the sort of um kind of sad state of what um combat sports has kind of like fostered? We talked a lot about this on the Ultimate Fighter um discussion on Rewind Away with the show essentially being written around Chris Lieben and and the dude who pees on you know his um uh, roommate's bed as, as almost just just kind of like you know a form of bullying, um. And the the fight game tends to reward this sort of behavior, right? Um, so at the same time as I saw a lot of these clips, I saw a lot of outrage. I also saw a lot of people commenting that they're suddenly interested in seeing this guy get beaten up. Um, we're talking about it right now. So I, I wasn't even aware of, of the fight prior to this. Ultimately, how much punishment is anybody going to get when, oh, you know, that, that's it. like there's there's none. There's not going to be any punishment for this. I'm not even advocating that like guy, but th- there is like a certain f- for whatever audience I think you turn on to this. I think over time, there's also an audience you turn off from this. And I do feel that like over time that there is a vibe of the MMA culture that I 
I think really does like shun a certain part of the of the audience a, a, as well of how it has shifted and and that comes from the top down like for for for, for instance like this is somewhat connected in other words not I talked about the World MMA Awards and those were on Thursday night and these awards they're voted on by the fans and one of the categories is leading man of the year and it's pretty much the person who's the front facing figure of a given promotion. And this year of all years, like Dana White is voted the leading man of the year. I was like, <laughs> this man started off his year with a video slapping his wife on camera. And like we've talked about it, like he has more than just completely distanced himself from this. But I mean, he wins a fan vote like this is our leading man. And I well, think even after this press conference, you heard people chanting for Colby right afterwards. Dude, they were chanting USA after he Mm -hmm. made the father joke. Like, it's, again, I'm not denying that there's an audience for this. I'm definitely not it. But, yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm sure that there are people that agree and and also disagree with me. It's a beautiful, beautiful sport, but um, I – I I I don't really myself ever find find that I want to be associated with you know a, a lot of these sort of audience and that's it, it's not fair to to be able to blanket MMA fans as this one thing but um no but there is a there is a section of them that are um right like but it, but but, but it's a product that, that caters directly to to them and and I think you know is it, making money off of uh, off of them um. So again, it's awful. Um, some of the things that I, I think are being said in the name of pro- fight promotion, um, but at the same time, I, I don't see like Dana White probably you know being too upset about it, especially when no, what, he's I, the opposite. Like he is, I am the guy that is not going to censor. Like that is the part yeah. of the the UFC culture of absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's coming up on Saturday night. It's uh, Leon Edwards and uh, Colby Covington for the welterweight championship. And uh, Covington has not fought since March of last year when he fight when he fought uh, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Leon Edwards, of course, is coming off the the two wins against Kamaru Usman. And Edwards is a is a slight favorite in this. There's a lot of questions just about Covington. He has an incredible gas tank, and I think that's going to have to be his route to victory. Is likely having to go five rounds with Leon Edwards, who was an underdog the first, uh, well, I should say the second fight against Usman because they fought three times, but then um, he was just a superior class of fighter by the time they fought the third time, and Edwards has just leveled up to such a degree. He's a very tricky striker to figure out, and with Covington, I, I really don't see him wrestling Edwards, but um, he's got incredible conditioning, but what does nearly two years away, what if what impact is that going to have on Colby Covington? And then the other title fight is... Uh, Alexandra Pantoja, who's defending the flyweight title for the first time against Brandon Royval. And these two fought two years ago, and uh, Pantoja just kind of ragdolled him on the ground, uh, secured his back, and choked him out. It was a pretty dominant performance uh, from, from Pantoja. So he should be the favorite in this fight. And I I mean, he's he's a pretty solid pick for me, but we'll see, we'll see with Brandon Royval. One of the interesting things whenever someone is placed in a situation like this in the biggest fight of their life going for a championship is you're usually going to get the best version of that person that uh, might not ever have an opportunity again against uh, a a champion especially of this caliber but pantoja is a really serious flyweight that could have this title for a while and the one other fight i want the spotlight is uh shavkat rachmanov this guy is 17 and 0 all 17 have been finishes and he's taking on steven wonderboy thompson and this is a huge test for 
Stephen Thompson, who is uh, 40 years old. He'll be 41 in February. And dude, Stephen Thompson is, he is not a, a pushover, but everyone looks at Rachmanov as um, just a killer at 170 pounds. Um, if all things are equal, like Bilal Muhammad should be getting the next welterweight title shot. But if Rachmanov destroys Stephen Thompson, I could really see him leapfrogging. Like this is the guy that I think the UFC has all of their attention on. And he has just proven to be a killer um, that has had a lot of difficulty uh, just finding fights as well. So, I mean, credit to Steven Thompson here for taking this fight. But um, yeah, Rachmanov is uh, the real deal. But this is definitely the biggest fight of his career as well. So it's a very good main card. They lost uh, Ian Machado Gary, who was going to be fighting Vicente Luque on the main card. But even so, the Tony Ferguson is his back is really against the wall. He has six straight losses, taking on Patty Pimblett. And then Josh Emmett and Bryce Mitchell have been moved up to the pay-per-view main card. And the last thing is that they have announced UFC 300 for April 13th in Las Vegas. Are we going? Um, You might. No, I probably won't be going. You know uh, what? You if If that antitrust case goes to trial which they have stated it would go to trial in april imagine if it coincided with ufc 300 oh Vegas. goodness oh, wow then i would that, almost have to go that would be quite the uh quite the news story do, do we have any idea what uh might be taking place in terms of fights no idea on fights dana white continues to state he has a big uh dream fight that he's going to announce but no one seems to know what what it's going to be but um yeah there you go there's your logo for ufc 300 do you think we get the yellow mat back for one night that they had for ufc 200 i'm gonna say yes yeah okay we'll, we'll see if that happens do you think there's right. any um um i guess wwe involvement in, in a weekend that big for um tko i th- this is one weekend after wrestlemania and i would imagine there's going to be a ton of cross promotion on wrestlemania mm-hmm. weekend for ufc 300 i, th- I think we're going to see a lot of synergistic uh cooperation between the two sides for wrestlemania and for i'm I'm curious to see as well how much they ramp up wrestlemania promotion on the ufc end because i definitely see them using wrestlemania to alert people to ufc 300 Mm -hmm. maybe you even have some of the uh the fighters interviewed like i i could see a lot of cross cross promotional opportunities at that time with the two biggest events for the both sides coming on back-to-back weekends you do have a couple ex-ufc fighters on your current roster you do? Yeah. Um, it, it, did you see that uh, Matt Riddle was at the World MMA Awards? You're asking him. I did not. Oh. He showed up. He was uh, He was there. He said he's had some talks with different uh, fight companies, but he didn't want to state uh, who. And uh, that, was, that was that. So okay. Matt Riddle, entertaining fighting again. Hmm. All right. All of your news can be found at postwrestling.com. I was amazed we got through all of that in, uh, in the time that we did. There was a lot today that was all just dropping one by one. So a lot to get out there. But at the end of it all, it is SmackDown from the Rush Center in Green Bay, Wisconsin. A double taping tonight. So next week's show um, being taped as we speak. And uh, then they're off for, I, I guess, two weeks and then come back in Vancouver on January 5th. And it, it looks like they're going to be building up that January 5th show. It seems like Raw's, Raw, NXT, and SmackDown, they're aiming for those to be like significant shows to start off the year. We've got the... Rollins Drew McIntyre match on Raw. NXT is the New Year's Evil show with the two title matches. And an ad aired during SmackDown in Canada promoting both Roman Reigns and Logan Paul for that January 5th show. So my guess is that we're going to get that U.S. title match probably on that SmackDown, which 
to my would that be Logan Paul's first match on TV? I believe so. Yeah, I I I don't recall a Logan Paul match on TV prior to that. There aren't many Logan, Logan Paul Reigns, matches. Unless you have Logan Paul wrestling, like that that's a big hook for your first SmackDown of the year on mm. which is in Vancouver. Show started off with the Bloodline coming out. Roman Reigns is back. He's booed and he notes it's promotion season. And he says he's a good boss and talks about a man that knows what it's like to keep them on top of the mountain and is next in line. This is Roman's NIL program. If anything happens to him, Jimmy is in the back just assuming that he's talking about him. The crowd starts chanting Randy. And he says the next tribal chief is this person. Jimmy, join me in congratulating your brother Solo. And uh, Jimmy is uh, taken aback here as he uh, he hugs Sokoa. And Jimmy looks all dejected here. At, uh, you know, he has been usurped by his younger brother. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why Jimmy would be so um, surprised by this. It's not like, the you know, I, I think it's ever been um, a close race. I mean, Solo has been the person this entire time. He's the one who didn't defect, um, at least, you know, temporarily. So, I I mean, I, I get why they did this little cute moment here to, you know, further maybe the tension between Solo and Jimmy. But, um, I mean, it, it, it didn't really kind of take to me as anything that serious randy orton interrupts this man i mean we have we have joked before about like this is the slowest walker to the ring but dude they were able to fit in a commercial break during his walk to the ring and when we came back from commercial he was just going up the stairs i don't think he paused i think he was just going at his usual randy pace and he explains that he's been thinking about this moment for 18 months and tells Roman he's coming for him. He's taking away everything that he has and says that I'll go through all your family members. It starts tonight and it ends at the Royal Rumble because I'm challenging you for the title. Rain says, well, 18 months. I haven't been thinking about you at all. And you haven't earned a title shot. It's not 2007 anymore. I'm levels above you and everyone else. So why don't you listen to the voices in your head that are telling you to run away because next time I deal with you, you won't be coming back. I'll retire you. Orton says, you know, Roman, you have changed. You've changed for the better. You're now a legend, but I too have evolved, but I will always be a legend killer. And he goes for an RKO that Reigns is able to avoid and says that maybe Reigns should start thinking about him because the voices in my head are telling me that you might have just crapped your pants. It sounds way less intimidating when you say it. Um, it did it sounds- not sound intimidating coming <laughs> from this dude either. Because then he added, and they're also telling me, daddy's back. Based on this verbiage, I thought Vince was back. Because uh, yeah. he took a shit. <laughs> this crowd did respond really well to both of those lines, though, John. You know, and um, they, they, they just arrived after the UFC press conference. <laughs> that's it yeah this is more of their pace i i think um they're still we're all still very much in love with a returning randy orton right now um it it feels like ever like for the past several years these crowds certainly aren't turning on him they're really embracing him as this like you know himself a legendary figure and somebody that just seems to be incredibly well liked despite whatever comes out of his mouth and i don't don't even think today was all that bad you know i i think this is a tough period for any roman reigns opponent you know we're heading towards wrestlemania and i don't think anybody can buy roman losing the championship even if it's at a an event as big as the royal rumble but um orton 
feels fresh enough and he is hot enough right now that I think he can withstand uh, whatever apathy might come from the timing of this match. Crowds are really into him. You have the revenge story. Uh, and in this segment, they made him look like, you know, somebody who is is more than, um, I think, worthy of a challenger. They had Roman basically sell fear for him. Um, and it's kind of rare to see Roman in that state. So as one of uh, Roman's last stopgaps before Mania, I, I think it has the potential to be a strong program. I think in this lead up and you've and you've got over a month, one segment with Randy and Cody that can just like all mm-hmm. you need is like a sliver of doubt. That's all you're creating for this match to buy Randy getting a win. And if you plant that seed in people that like Randy and Cody would be like this this very interesting direction. Like deep down, you're not getting that at WrestleMania, but just mm-hmm. plant that seed. That's all you need to really grab an audience and at least give them that that sliver of doubt that you want to create in this. I think Randy's the perfect opponent for the for the Rumble. I think that's a great idea. I think they I, I would go a step further and and you know do something to to build that possibility of a Randy versus Cody WrestleMania main event even more. All, no one is going to want to see that match more than Rain Reigns versus Cody. I mean, that's like two years in the making at this point. But still, um that's a match you're going to get to eventually, Cody versus Randy. So why not at least, you know, sow those seeds just to make Randy versus sorry, Reigns versus Cody that much more of a, a sort of unpredictable outcome next we go to the number one contenders tournament it's grayson waller against carmelo hayes and for both tournament matches we got video sent in from logan paul um who i imagine was in orlando tonight because his brother was boxing tonight okay he had a fight tonight Hmm. so logan paul says he's never heard of carmelo hayes thought he won an essay an essay writing contest to get this match thought he was like uh adam copeland getting a free training from the toronto star and says, Mellow, don't miss, but I've missed your entire career. Um, so he he's not in that 18 to 34 demo that's tuning into NXT over the last year. I, I guess not. I, I mean, I thought it was very funny. And and I think Logan's delivery is is usually very good as a heel. But I didn't think the lines in this promo were the best choice because it made NXT look like something that's not important. Um you know, and, and I I think there was a way to word this without making the entire NXT show feel like lesser of a, a brand that it already is, you know, in this sort of ecosystem. Yeah, especially if at the end of this whole tournament, Hayes is not getting something on Logan Paul. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not expecting him to win this tournament, and I'm certainly not expecting even if he were to beat this guy. But anyway, I, I had the same feeling as you. Like, I just because, you know, it's one thing to state it to you or I or anyone that's following NXT, but what, like, this is 2 million plus people. The ones that are not watching NXT, they're probably in a similar boat closer to Logan Paul than they are the announcers who are touting Carmelo Hayes. Like, for many of them, they don't know Carmelo Hayes, or maybe they know him by name, but there's plenty of people watching this that are might be seeing Carmelo Hayes for the first time. They've done a great job over the past year of trying to convince the audience that NXT isn't just the minor leagues. Or if it is the minor leagues, it's a very close minor league, you know, just a step, just a notch beneath Raw or SmackDown. And I think, unfortunately, a promo like this makes it seem like it's it's a bit more of a further down step than it is. 
So Waller tried a lot of interesting stuff in this match. He, he had an, a cravat applied landing knees. And then it was Hayes with the fadeaway off the ropes with Waller draped. And then there's a leapfrog out of the corner by Hayes into a double stomp. And that leads to a rolling flatliner by Waller for a two count after Hayes landed tweaking his knee. And Waller does this spot where he's on the, on the second turnbuckle and rolls forward and it's like the play of the day but he does a somersault coming down mm. very cool looking maneuver that he mm. did that even graves didn't have a name to, to call it here but a cool spot that he pulled off here and then there's a springboard ddt by hayes waller then rolls into the ring into the first 48 which is a code breaker and hayes hits the nothing but net and pins waller in 13 minutes and 22 seconds so i will say at least after that logan paul segment the guy won and they yeah. i would have really questioned why you would have put hayes in this if he was not at minimum getting one win in this tournament like this would not have served any purpose to me well given the owens injury i wonder if he'll go even further than that john it's possible like but, they do have that written in it just seems like logan and owens seems like a natural but yeah they also right. they could go with hayes it's not crazy yeah, yeah. At the very least, I think they'll make Hayes look strong, you know, even if he does lose to, to, to Owens. But, I mean, I thought this match was excellent. I thought Carmelo looked fantastic here and probably, in my opinion, gave Waller one of his best matches on SmackDown to date. So, um, as a debut on the main roster for this guy, I I don't know if this could have gone better. Um, he certainly impressed. Orton is with LA Knight, and essentially Orton says, you know, I appreciated last week, but we're good. We don't have to do anything more. And Knight's like, you're going to be outnumbered. You are going to need me. And that would come into play later. For Raw on Monday, they have announced Gunther and The Miz has been added for the IC title. That joins the Judgment Day Creeds match. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven against Chance and Carter. And Seth Rollins will address Drew McIntyre. Glad we're getting an old-fashioned addressing on Monday. No CM Punk? Uh, they didn't mention anything with CM Punk. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's interesting. Owens against Austin Theory in the number one contenders tournament. Logan Paul's video this time tells Owens that he dresses like a fifth grader who takes P.E. dodgeball way too seriously, needs to cover his arms. He's embarrassing himself. Yeah. Um, his arms Burned. look fine. Yeah. I mean, takes P.E. dodgeball way too seriously. <laughs> There's only one way to take dodgeball, and that's seriously, as someone that's that played right. on a dodgeball team. Did you? Yes. Oh, yeah. In mm. university, dude. You're right. Yeah, I remember that. What, what were you guys called? Oh, I can't remember. We had some weird names. You had t-shirts. Yeah, we did have t-shirts. Can't remember the name for the life mm. of me. Yeah, okay. So Owens is selling his broken hand from two weeks ago by theory, and he's got a cast on the arm. And so continues selling and selling. He's using the left hand for offense. And then Owens comes back after the commercial break with a frog splash, but plants the hand as he lands it. So he's hurt his hand coming down on the frog splash then goes for a swanton lands on theory's knees and owens continues to fight with the left hand hits a ddt and then theory leaps up into a seated springboard into a one-man spanish fly owens then this was the funniest graves line of the whole night owens stops a superplex with a fisherman buster and graves points out anytime someone tries to superplex on kevin that happens pretty much every single time you probably shouldn't try that with owens <laughs> and uh mm -hmm. a funny line there so he hits a cannonball to theory in the tree of woe lands the swanton but then as he goes for the stunner theory kicks the hand rams it into the post and then stomps the hand onto the stairs and you think that this is going to be it for owens but back in the ring he manages to just drill austin theory with the cast 
knocking out Theory, and Owens pins him in 13 minutes and 57 seconds. The crowd was really hot for this one, and you know what? Like This was a week where I thought both Theory and Waller really impressed me in their matches. I thought this match turned out pretty well, and um, you know, um, you have now Owens with the, the cast as a weapon to counter Logan Paul's bionic fist. So um, that seems to be the story they're telling. Which, and, which they made a good point of bringing up as well. Like the, you know, that Logan Paul has the bionic hand and now Owens has the cast as, as well. So mm-hmm. I, I agreed with you. I, I thought both tournament matches were very good television matches and better than usual efforts from Theory and Waller in particular. So mm-hmm. I, I thought I thought both worked and, and both had time. Both went about 14 minutes. Yeah. So we will get Owens against Carmelo Hayes and Santos versus Bobby Lashley, both happening next week. So they're doing those on the tapings tonight. Reigns is in the locker room and says how Orton ruined solo celebration tonight. Orton needs to be silenced. And Jimmy says, I could do it, but that sounds like a job for the tribal heir. And Roman says, yeah, but what could be in store for you if you do it alone tonight? And Jimmy thinks about it and he says, yeet. And Reigns just gives him the death stare. No yeet. How are you feeling about these uh, bloodline segments right now? Um, they're fine. Jimmy is missing something. I I would but, say the entire group is missing something, and I don't know if yeah. it that's only because like you know I still very much remember the 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 height of the bloodline, the peak of the bloodline with Sammy with Jay involved, um, and everything they've done ever since the the the, the you know those two have left has really felt like it's less than. And um, I I just haven't really been as enamored by it. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of in place at, at the moment in, in terms of like setting themselves up for like you, you can see the directions like Roman. You've got all his various opponents. Jimmy seems likely to be on track for something with Jay going into mania. And then the question mark is solo. Like he is coming off that huge program with Cena. And how is like he should be one of the monsters in the Rumble, but you also have to make a compelling reason to put Solo in the Rumble, like whether it's going for a Rollins title or something. But I think he should be in the Rumble. Are we so sure that Jimmy versus Jay is going to be the match? You know, I just don't know what else you, you do with them. And well, they could Solo be attached to it somehow. Um, you could. It's you put Jimmy and Jay on separate shows. I always took that to be they wanted to keep them separate last summer. And then mm. you bring them back when, when it's time to do the story. But Solo could be tied in there in some form or fashion. Right. Maybe he'll be like on a forklift or something like they're they're going to battle for Solo. Free Solo. Free Solo. Then we had a Carrion Cross vignette who said that the most urgent world of, world event is coming up. The post-wrestling Christmas show. Christmas Eve. That is coming up. It is quite urgent because... um. There are a lot of interviews to do. Oh, boy. He says that this place is about to be recycled, reduced and reused. And everything has been set in place since I've returned. So we got the shot of him, like, putting the hourglass onto the ring in front of Roman, like stuff that happened over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that this is all calculated. This is yeah. all in the plan for until now. And everything is about to crumble. Soon we will know. So... This has been a long-term story way. Every single week has been meticulously plotted out. He's basically giving us a reason why he's been off of TV for a long time and maybe even reasons why he's lost all those feuds with um, various people. 
Um, it's all part of the plan, John. Patience. You know? Patience. Yeah. So I don't know what this is, uh, you know, teasing. Is it just another way to maybe try to push Karrion Cross one last time uh, or just maybe another time? Or is he trying to introduce another person attached to to him? Um, and what, what the hell could it be that's taken this long? He said everything is about to crumble. So maybe he is going to stage the royal crumble. <laughs> Very good. Owens is backstage with Cameron Grimes. This was pretty much just a checkup to remind you about Cameron Grimes and his existence. Mm. It's like, I wish I could punch Austin Theory like that. Cool. Thanks, Cameron. <laughs> Kevin just keeps walking, and then Kayla Harrison wants some time with him and says, you've never faced Carmelo Hayes before. What's it like to face someone for the first time? <laughs> he just leave me alone. I have a broken <laughs> hand here. It's like, oh, my God. I would not last in these social situations <laughs> way. Hayes walks up to him, and Hayes says, I respect you very much, but I need this win more than anything, and you're not going to be punching me in the face. And uh, Owens just kind of brushed him off. So that's our match next week. Probably going to be a hell of a match. Yes, I think so. Yeah, this wasn't necessarily the choice I was expecting when I saw those brackets here. You know, they're going double babyface. Uh, I I think it'll hopefully be a hell of a match, but we do have Owens with the injury, so uh, we'll see how that plays in. I don't expect him to win with the cast for this match, um, but uh, I also expect Hayes to you know have a really close match and a good showing. But ultimately, I think Owens is going to be the person who wins. And then... They show the clip from last week of Oscar and Charlotte Flair. This was the move that aired during the commercial break that we mm. didn't get to see. So it's a superplex spot where it looked like Oscar slipped and then Charlotte just bounced off the ropes and her legs got caught. Uh, really ugly fall here. And they stated on the broadcast, she's going to be out for nine months with a knee injury, oh, which is wow. brutal. Totally brutal. Yeah. I mean, not only, I mean, it's never a good time to get injured, uh, especially for, for something that sounds that severe. Um, but WrestleMania season prior to the Rumble is probably like the most heartbreaking time, I would say, probably for, 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 for a performer. Um, I also wonder if this has forced them to change any bigger plans, you know, heading into, I would say, or coming out of war games, I should say. There seemed to be a real possibility of a of a four horsewoman reunion tease uh, to oppose, you know, the rest of damage control. And I I wonder if all that's different. Now. Well, look, look what we saw in the very next segment. It was the damage control vignette. And they at least tonight, they scrapped any teases of dissension with Bailey. It was like mm-hmm. they are all on the same page now. And we kind of just reverted back to just they're all the, this united front and they all. First of all, the subtitles have now jumped ship to SmackDown. They are now free agents, and they can go on both shows, the subtitles, as uh, Kyrie Sane and Eosky and Asuka can now all communicate to us. And Kai, Dakota Kai is referred to as the mastermind, and they're going to hold all the gold where Bailey said that the Kabuki Warriors are going to go for the tag titles while she is going to enter the Royal Rumble and take Rhea Ripley's title. So they have like just set up a whole bunch of directions here for damage control, but it's all of them on the same page here. So, I mean, you can always go back to the tease of Bailey getting ousted, but this felt like a real 180 from what they've been building for what has felt like months of Bailey being on the outs. 
It did, yeah. And I expect them to go back to it and maybe even tease it throughout, you know, this, this sort of temporary, um, I don't know, united front of damage control. But at the moment, it did feel like a bit of a, a change in direction. I thought the video was a really good idea. In execution, it, it felt a little too mustache, like twirly, maybe for my taste, complete with like these sort of unnecessary, like lingering close-ups of their evil laughing at the end. Um, but maybe that that's kind of part of the, I don't know, corny charm of, of, of a pro wrestling heel faction like this. But it was very welcome. We finally have sort of like the we we know the goal of the group and Bailey's goal is to hold every women's championship in the WWE. I like it. You, you're basically getting the uh, Kabuki Warriors now as a united tag team with their own mission. Uh, Bailey on a mission to win the Rumble and face Rhea Ripley. So I I like this reset, uh, but I can't help but wonder if this was maybe a, a, a change as a result of what, whatever happened to Charlotte in some way. I'm, I'm sure it threw a monkey wrench into things, but yeah, that's terrible. Like nine months, they didn't state what the injury is, but you'd think nine months that that tells you surgery and probably like tour, like whether it was ACL, like obviously nine months, like that's, that's typically the timetable you get for something like that. So very unfortunate uh, for her and just seemed like a total freak thing that was pretty much out of her control there. It was just like a slip and she just had the like, just terrible fall, like awful luck. Who do you think this maybe frees up for? Because uh, we uh, we all assume Charlotte would have had a spot at WrestleMania. Who who do you think um, this? What opponent would would this have freed up in your? If you have to guess, I don't know where because it didn't make a whole lot of like there wasn't like that obvious um, direction for Charlotte beyond something like, yeah, reuniting with Bailey and Becky because they'd already teased the Becky thing at war games Mm -hmm. that they could have had them together. Um, I mean, yeah, it was like, like that was certainly, I think a lot of people were looking at the idea of like teasing that and what's the status of Mercedes. Like, I don't know if that's so quick to do Mm -hmm. for a mania thing, but you know, that's, I don't I, yeah. I don't know what it would have freeze up like at least for tonight like you could see probably like they are at least inserting like me chin more into that baby face spot that's been opened up but that was just for this week yeah it wouldn't be a Wrestlemania thing like it, it's hard for it, it for me like on 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 raw I, I think Rhea versus Becky still feels like very much a destination on the Smackdown side of things it's a lot harder to predict Kabuki Warriors against Zelina Vega and Meechin. Vega and Meechin attack them from behind during the break. And then we start during the commercial. Vega hit a hammerlock DDT and a 619 before taking a spinning back fist. Um, crowd was really out of it during this match. They had to battle with them. But then they kind of picked up when Kyrie lifted up Vega and hit an Alabama slam onto the desk. And then Meechin boots Sane off the apron. Uh, Michin connects with a Pele kick to Asuka, and Kai gets onto the apron, distracting the referee, which allows Bailey to shove Michin off the top, and Sane is tagged, hits the insane elbow, pinning Michin in 6 minutes and 13 seconds. So um, that should um, qualify the Kabuki Warriors as the number one contenders for Monday's winner. Pretty much all you need, right? I mean, honestly, Michin and Zelina probably could qualify after losing this match, too. So I don't think it matters so much. I was happy to see the Kabuki Warriors return. I'm, I'll be very satisfied if we're given, you know, uh, at least a tag match if there's every other week. And I also think that they're probably very likely candidates to win the championships. Um, So sorry, Katana Chance and Caden Carter, although they could have a short run and win it front, you know, uh, be the ones to pass it to the Kabuki Warriors as well. That to me actually seems like a pretty attractive matchup. Jimmy is very concerned about what's going on with his fate. Roman Reigns is off talking and he's with Solo and says, 
you'd tell me if something was going to happen to me, right? And Solo just looks at him. I'm your brother. Mm-hmm. As if he's not attacked a brother before. Yeah. So not good news for Jimmy here. This is, uh, I don't know. Santos did a video. The U.S. titles w- was within his grasp, but taken away by Ray. Well, he's no longer around. He won't let anyone get in his way. And he's never faced Bobby Lashley one-on-one. Bobby is all about appearances, but none of that matters. As Bobby will never want to show his ugly face on SmackDown when I'm done with him. He's not an ugly man at all. He's very attractive. He's going to rearrange his face next week. That's oh, after the, after the fight. Yes, okay. I thought this was a really well-produced video. It made Santos really look cool, you know? Lashley responded with the Street Profits in the locker room. He says Logan Paul can't beat him, and uh, the Street Profits just uh, kind of echoed this statement. Not much. So it seems like, um, you know, without Santos now, without Ray being around, is the LWO pretty much done? Like, Zelina wasn't even wearing their colors tonight? Um, Yeah, dude, I don't know what's going to happen with Del Toro and Cruz. Like, they they just kind of got iced. Yeah, and um, I, I'm sure if they were collecting a, a bit of a the share of the merchandising, I mean, that's that's got to hurt too. So next week on the show, they have announced Lashley and Santos, Owens and Carmelo Hayes in the semifinals of the tournament, Dragon Lee against Butch for the North American title, and then a Holiday Havoc eight-woman tag with Bailey, Asuka, Kyrie Sane, and Io Sky against Bianca Belair, Shotzi, Meechin, and Zelina Vega. That all being from the Green Bay taping. And then it is main event time with Randy Orton and Jay Uso. 14 minutes and 12 seconds of Randy Orton and Jimmy Uso. I think if you tried moderately hard, you could close your eyes and just envision how this match went from minute one to minute 14. A lot of it was commercial break, too. Yeah, we had two commercial breaks in this space. They they started the match, and boom, we instantly went to break. Jimmy had the heat for some time, including sending Randy to the floor, come back from a second break, and Orton's making his comeback. He... He goes for the power slam, but Jimmy holds on to the rope. So Randy just winds up and hits him with a second one. Then a draping DDT is hit, and we get uh, Cole yelling, Randy, here's here's the voices. He hears the voices, and he signals for the RKO when Solo's music plays, and out walks Solo, who gets attacked by LA Knight, and LA Knight signals to Randy. See? I told you. And Randy catches Jimmy with the RKO, wins the match. Um, It was a, you know, this crowd, they're into anything Randy does, and that compensates yeah. for a lot that this guy can get away with doing very little but get great reactions for it. Yeah, I mean, for, in recent years, we've largely seen Randy Orton in tag team matches with, like, RK-Bro or uh, who else was it? Anyway, maybe that, that was mainly it. And in a tag team setting, when he just kind of, you know, intermittently comes in, uh, gets the hot tag, delivers the RKO, I think he's actually great. I don't like him as much in these sort of single settings uh, on TV, especially because it, it's just, you know what you're getting. Like fundamentally, it's very strong, but it's not at all spectacular outside of the occasional big RKO spot. Um, but like you said, John, it doesn't really matter. Like the, these crowds love him. I, I don't love watching um, these matches on TV. And even a week in from his return, I'm already sort of feeling like... I'm I'm well, you've, you've I'm okay a little bit yeah like I'm brought back to 2007 you know a little bit here but um again doesn't matter but because these crowds love him so it's like 9:51 so you know we're we're going to bunch of stuff after this dude when it was 9 like 
35 and this match is beginning, I was like, there's no way these two are going to the end of the show. There's just no way. So Reigns comes out attacking LA Knight on the floor. Loud, loud chance for Randy. And Reigns enters the ring and they start fighting. When Jimmy joins in on the attack, LA Knight returns and then Sokoa is in. So it's a three on two advantage for the bloodline when we hear AJ Styles music play. And he they look at the front at the entrance, but he pops up onto the apron, which Graves yells, he came from the WWE universe. Like he came out of a portal here in Green Bay. And uh, AJ, um, buddy's looking ripped here. Uh, hits a phenomenal forearm onto Roman. And then uh, the baby faces, or so we think, clear the ring. And then AJ takes out LA Knight. And he exits the ring, passes by the bloodline. And that's how the show ends. So it's the idea AJ came here for revenge on the bloodline, but he also took out LA Knight for whatever reason. Mm. It's intriguing. You know, like we're left with a little bit of a mystery about why AJ attacked LA Knight. We know why he attacked the bloodline. They're the ones who took him out. But what reason, what interaction had he had with LA Knight even prior to this? Uh, I'm sure they're going to go to some clip of some interaction between them, but please don't ask me. Look look at Randy's uh, jaw on the floor at the reaction. Is he shocked at the attack on LA Knight or the fact that this guy got on like the Randy Orton uh, regimen? He's looking at his abs, I I think, and uh, maybe, you know, thinking... How did you do that um, at your, your age? Oh, hell, Randy. <laughs> AJ's back. <laughs> Probably my best impression, right, AJ? I, I love your AJ style. Number one. Number it's one great. bullet. Yeah. So there you go. SmackDown. Um, you know, they've pretty much told you what the, the big program is going to be for the Rumble over the next uh, five, six weeks. And AJ's back. I, i'm very happy back. i'm very happy to see aj back I, I think smackdown has needed you know a bit of that star power we're getting it with randy orton we're getting it with aj styles but if we're comparing to raw right now smackdown lately has still certainly been has felt lacking i would say you know you have so many hot programs right now you got cm punk on raw you know with seth rollins cutting the <laughs> don't best. think aj and cm punk are going to be exchanging pleasantries <laughs> Uh, well, they might be, uh, you know, uh, that might be a program sooner or, or later. Yeah. You, you have no idea. Maybe. Anyway, like comparing to Raw this week, I mean, we had just a spectacular um, segments with, with Seth Rollins and CM Punk. Drew McIntyre is on fire. Even Be- uh, Becky and Nia was really strong. I don't think any of the segments tonight on SmackDown really kind of touched that level of, um, I don't know, spectacle. You had two very actually surprisingly good tournament matches between Grayson Waller, Austin Theory, Kevin Owens, and um i'm forgetting the other name but that was strong main event was you know randy orton's incredibly over i didn't think the match was that great um but it's smackdown to me is a little bit lacking compared to raw right now yes so next week our kind of our christmas week finales we'll get new episodes next week and then it's uh Monday, Monday's Raw on Christmas night. They haven't officially stated it's going to be a best of, but that's what's expected. NXT taped two shows uh, this past week. So they're going to have tape shows the next two Tuesdays. And it looks like we probably won't have a new Raw or a new SmackDown Christmas week. I'm like, thank, thank, thank the heavens. Thank the Lord. Oh, my god. Thank goodness. you, Nick. Thank, thank you, uh, Ari. You know who who do we thank for for having at least two nights off possibly? We we took uh, a, we took a look at the inventory and we think that Christmas week we need less tonnage, less tonnage. 
tonnage. Very good. Uh, All right. So at this point, as we always do in the Post Wrestling Cafe, every Friday night, we actually like to go to the Post Wrestling audience for their live calls to talk about anything in the world of combat sports. Uh, A lot of you guys might want to talk about SmackDown tonight or really anything that we've been discussing in the news. So uh, let's welcome the chat about Final Battle if, if you've seen it as well. Let's open up the phone lines here and let's start off with Andy B. Welcome to the show, Hi. Andy. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hope you can hear me. Well, we can. Well, Andy, thanks for Hi. calling in. Um, so, wait, I wanted to further your point about Raw being a little bit more dynamic than SmackDown. For me, that's been the case throughout the year. I feel like they tell stories in a more episodic fashion than on SmackDown. The characters on that show, to me, are truer to themselves. They're more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And it feels like you can trace their actions back to events that previously happened to them, unlike SmackDown where it's a little bit boilerplate and people like things just happened, right? For instance, contrast like the two heel turns we got recently with Asuka and um, AJ to the stuff that's happening on Raw, where like you get that Drew heel turn which they plot for weeks and weeks and this character like slowly descends into darkness. Or even the Miz turn to the babyface side where again, mm-hmm. you see that character's progression into being a more heroic figure, right? Yeah. Great point. Yeah, I mean, you know, who knows how much of this might even uh, be as a result of Raw now being the product that they need to really focus on because, you know, it's currently hunting for a contract where SmackDown is already set. Um, I think Roman being off of the show for as long as he has probably has affected things as well. Um, For a time, we had John Cena on SmackDown, and I think that greatly elevated interest. It created some maybe more spectacular moments. But right now, SmackDown just doesn't seem as much of a priority to me. Uh, and, and I think that's pretty evident in maybe some of the storytelling and some of the points that you brought up were in general, you do have stories. I mean, Randy Orton here is going for revenge against the bloodline. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it hasn't really reached the same level of depth or sort of like, I don't know, specialness or intrigue that a lot of the raw storylines have. I agree with you. I think a huge part of it is that these characters don't have that direction because the champion isn't on TV every week, right? A lot of this drama ensues from that title being there. For instance, like a World Heavyweight Championship like plays into friction between like uh, even like Finn Balor and Damien Priest and it helps like the baby faces band together against the Judgment Day to stop them from being Bloodline 2.0. Right? Yeah. Um, so okay, just, uh, before I run like one more thing, I know like award season is just around the corner and the boys on WrestleFurious did their award show recently and all of them like pretty unanimously went WWE promotion of the year, Triple H, Booker of the year. And I'm someone, like, I haven't really thought about it that much in the last three years. I'm, like, pretty easily Tony Khan, Booker of the Year, Dynamite Weekly Show of the Year, AEW Promotion of the Year, and John Moxley, Wrestle of the Year. I think one year might have gone Kenny, but maybe yeah, it's been, like, consistent. Mm-hmm. And when I look at it this year, put a little bit more thought into it, and, like, my yardstick for this is what I call, like, the Excel spreadsheet test. So, basically, when I'm spending, like, a long day looking through, like, my creditors or whatever, um, where does my mind wander to? And I feel like it's a little bit, it's been a lot more to like the WWE characters and storylines than they have been to the AEW side. And I think they have done a better job of treating their characters with care, getting more people to the next level, showcasing linear character progression and everything. So, yeah, I, I think that's a fair call. Where are you guys uh, leading towards this year? Even if the injury hasn't peaked inside the AEW, obviously. Well, I don't want to spoil, you know, the, the best of show that, that is coming up, but. Um... I I feel like this year it's it's pretty to me 
easy to call um if i have to be honest like i mean so much of it i think depends on what you might be looking for as a wrestling fan if you're somebody who strictly prefers i don't know in-ring quality week to week bell to bell um maybe you might lean AEW. i but i think it ww provides that to a decent degree um and i think does something that's much harder to do that AEW i think has been stumbling with and that's providing better storylines in my opinion um but anyway i don't know do you have any thoughts john um i i think that this is going to be a very positive year for wwe and all the metrics would would back it up so i I think that that is where a lot of people are going to lean this year but i think it's somewhat overdrawn about like where aew is in the conversation of things but it's it's an interesting discussion when you look at like the the booking and to, to Wade's point of kind of what you are looking to get out of each episode. Like it's just it is different lenses that you view things. Like a like match quality wise, um, there's no way a dynamite could get by on what we saw tonight from a SmackDown, for instance. Like there mm-hmm. are different expectations um, as as well that you're gonna have minimum one like really solid kick ass match that. Uh, I think you're you're not necessarily um, expected on 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 SmackDown that you get a main event like Orton and Jimmy Uso, and that's it's a perfectly acceptable match, but it is different standards. I feel. Thank you very much, Andy, for the call. Let's go up next to Brian. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hey, John White. Thanks again for this uh, big review here. Um, yeah, the end of it really reminded me of <laughs> MJF's line about jolly old Saint Nick. But uh, that's good to know. And, uh, you know, SmackDown really flew by for me, which tells me I... Sorry, what, what was more. the line? It, you're talking about, like, thanks, Nick, for the night off for Raw. And, like... Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> but, uh, okay, but whatever. Uh, SmackDown <laughs> really flew by for me, uh, which tells me I enjoyed it overall. Um, so, so you control. watched this over ROH? I did. Yeah, I was thinking about watching Final Battle. Um but um I don't know, just like there's so much wrestling out there. It's like either mm-hmm. watching SmackDown, this show, and Rampage afterwards, or Final Battle. Right. And so I it's just a gut decision. I mean, subscribing to Honor Club for just one single month to watch it is definitely a possibility, but uh, would you have been more or less likely to have got it if it was just a a one-time pay-per-view purchase like past shows or was this just a show that it just didn't have your interest like past shows yeah because uh those past pay-per-view shows they've had more build-up than this and more attention to them than this i have ordered those past standalone pay-per-views and have even attended one uh, yeah, this one just seemed very slapped together, despite the presence of that BCC versus FTR and Briscoe match. That match just uh, ended. I'm not going to give out the result, but I'm looking at highlights right now, and it, it looked crazy. So, um, good to it know. just ended now. It yeah. wasn't even the main event, so the main event hasn't even gone into the ring yet. No, that's a long. Oh yeah, show. This, I, I'm sure it's going to be another four hour pay per view. But yeah, yeah, I'm following along to I'm following along to John Cena's report on the site, and also an online friend watching the show. So I'll see how things go. But yeah, uh, yep. Again, subscribing for one single month to Honor Club to watch the replay not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think a lot of it might be like reactions, like the one I just had. You know, like a buzz and word, a word of mouth about the, how the the quality of the show afterwards. 
I, I could see, even if there's not that much interest going into the show, coming out of the show, if there's that sort of buzz, like a lot of former ROH pay-per-views have had, that might get a surge in, in um, signups as well. Absolutely. I did see some of Zero Hour before SmackDown started and had uh, Brian Keith versus Jack Cartwheel, which was a lot of fun. That was also, good. Uh, and, uh, the, the Daniel Garcia-Blake Christian match was, was really yeah, good right as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it seems like they're putting some attention on Brian Keith. He's going to be on collision tomorrow against Orange Cassidy. And, uh, oh, okay. They, they added that. Yeah. That's, a, yes. that's an interesting match. And yeah, they put him over. Dude, Jack Cartwheel was here in Toronto on Thursday night doing a ladder match with Gringo Loco. And then 24 <laughs> hours later, he's in Garland, Texas on, on zero hour. So that, that's a hell of a travel day for him. Uh, good, good to know that indie standouts are still going strong all these years later. Um, but, uh, I, I, I I have no problem talking about ROH. I want to talk about that anyway, but uh, with SmackDown, um, uh, Damage Control looking strong even after losing War Games, even if that's a temporary thing. That's pretty cool to see for me, and I thought the tournament matches were good, and I thought Carmelo Hayes made a much better impression here than he did when he appeared on Raw, which felt like forever ago, but may have been this year. I don't even remember Uh, that, but okay. Yeah, he. it was part of the... Yeah, yeah, it was part of the Rollins-Balor feud. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he just hmm. came in just, just kind of as a fanboy for Rollins facing hmm. Finn Balor for like the second time and losing for the second time to him. But uh, yeah, that's hmm. that's all that. And also, uh, just you know, putting it out there, great rewind away this week. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge on that podcast. Um, I, I I watched that first season of Ultimate Fighter. Um, not all of it. Uh, I caught, would have caught on to it like after those first three episodes, but uh, yeah, definitely an influential series. But uh, boy, the stuff you talked about in those first three episodes—like if that may have turned me off <laughs> early on—I had no idea the uh, was it the spritzing the, or was it the uh, the the weight cut? What, what what would have turned you off specifically? The weight cut sounds really terrible, and the way you described it, and. The impetus for Dana White's speech sounds mm. quite terrible, but uh, yeah, I'm, uh, UFC is uh, something I'm I still follow, but don't really watch anymore. So uh, okay. that's where I stand. Well, thanks Thank for checking for... out the show, Brian. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. No problem. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Brian. All right. Have a great week. Let's go up next to Muggin. Welcome, Muggin. There Welcome he is. to another episode of Tribal Masterpiece Theater. Tribal Masterpiece Theater. Yep. <laughs> okay. So what you, did you think about Roman's big return tonight? <laughs> Those the, the wheels in Jimmy's head better start turning. Yeah. Because you know Jimmy compared to Jay has not gone has not gone through the ringer like he like like Jay has over the over the three years of being the right hand man. And you know you, you know, Jay got lucky because Jay got lucky because you know he he, he got out and he's and. Um, He's, he's got his own stuff to deal with, so I mean, uh, at this point, at this point, Jimmy, the wheels in Jimmy's head better start turning sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. And uh, I thought it was a base hit. I thought the segment was a base hit, not a home run, because it's like you know, I mean, the, 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 I mean, the segment with Randy was was very was good, and uh, the main event was what it was. It was a Randy Orton match, okay? It was it was a Randy Orton match. He he, he hit his spots, but the post match was really intriguing because AJ came back. LA Knight, is still, LA Knight is still LA Knight is still around. So 
I don't see this. I don't. I don't see. I don't see the. the I don't see the end game for the Royal Rumble to be Orton and Reigns one on one. I think really? it's going to be. I think it's good. I think. I think with AJ with AJ being back and Ellen Knight being you know still sticking around, I smell a four way. Possible. Would you take, would you take all that? three of those guys out of, out of the Rumble for that match? Either. Well, I mean, I mean the last. I mean, if you think about it, I mean. Or they could do it both. Yeah, double duty. I, I, I could. I, I could see them doing double duty because I mean. Take take you know take Brock for example. I mean he worked Lashley in St. Louis and then he wound up entering the Royal Rumble himself. So I mean it can happen. It depends on and Brock's depends on another name happen. that should likely be in the be in the Rumble. You would assume. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's it has it has been it has been a few months since uh, since SummerSlam. It has been it has been a few months. So I, I could see I could see AJ LA, LA and Randy doing double duty potentially. What, what do you see for uh, damage control and and everything coming off of the Charlotte injury? Okay. Um. Before, before I get to that, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about somebody else right now. It's Bianca, because I don't. Because you know, I mean, f- for months I I had like you know brainstormed a potential program with Bianca and Charlotte, and with Charlotte being on the, it would be on the shelf for for nine months and skipping WrestleMania. I yeah, mean, that that could have been the direction that they could have uh, gone. Like they had kind of the link between them. I mean, it, it, it's one option that they could have. Uh, there wasn't a clear path, I would say, for either. Um. But you yeah. figure both would have been in pretty strong rules for one of the nights. Bianca hanging the last horse woman on her wall is going to have to wait. And, uh, and because of that, because of that, they're going to have to, they're going to have to expedite whatever's going on with, with, uh, with Bailey and company, because I watched it. I was paying very close attention to that vignette and uh, Bailey calling Dakota Kai the mastermind. Yep. That, that's, that's gotta be by design. That has to be by design because you like, we all know that she's going to be getting, she's going to get the green light. And when, when that happens, yeah, shit's yeah, shit's gonna hit the fans. She's been back for a long time, hasn't she? Like, well, when she did didn't damage... do anything physical, right? But 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 man, it's a long time to like be on TV, um, in a cast or like in in a uh, a brace and 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 not not uh like it's been over a year, right? That they've they formed, so year plus, yeah. Hmm. Well, hopefully so it's soon. Yeah, hope yeah, it's got to be soon. And either either and um because and because of that. I don't know what's going to happen in the, uh, in the in the holiday street fight because I know I, I know this is a holiday episode of SmackDown that are taping. It doesn't it doesn't feel filler to me. Like there's a lot of things that's happening. I mean, mm-hmm. and uh, going down the rest of the show, Mello Waller was good as well as Owens and Theory. Like the two the two the, the two tournament matches were lengthy. They're very they're, they were they're very good. And uh, next week should be good as well with uh, with Owens and Mello. That's gonna be killer. And um, to finish what I was saying about the amateur control, Bailey needs motivation to win the Royal Rumble. And her getting and her and her getting ousted is, is going to be the thing that she needs to win the whole thing, or they could just pull to like the Batista in 05 thing where he he where she wins the Royal Rumble and she like you know dangles the carrot of which way she's going to go because I do not see her versus Rhea for Philadelphia because that's Becky's that's Becky's mm-hmm. and um, going and also um it sucks that Kenny Omega got hurt as well because he has diverticulitis and he's going to be skipping Long Island. So, and then on top of that, it's gonna it pulls a rug out for Ricky Starks because once again, a high profile match is like has been snatched underneath his feet by circumstance. So, does Jericho get another? Does Jericho get a replacement, or they just or they have Jericho goes it alone? He wins the tag titles and he has a singles match with MJF for both sets of tag titles. <laughs> oh, that just speaking of the Ring of Honor tag titles, the whole situation is so murky because you know Cole's still on the shelf. And speaking of ROH. My only excuse to watch Final Battle is the main event, and which which I don't know if it's I don't know if it's started yet because I want to see Billy Stark become champion. 
I think it's about to start. I believe that's up next. So uh, okay. enjoy the main event, uh, Muggy. And thanks as always for the call. Thank you, guys. I, I'm going to talk to Keaton. I'm going to talk to Keaton soon when when it's done. Perfect. Yes, please do that right now at postwrestlingcafe.com as soon as the pay per view ends. Um, so uh, let's go up next, finally to Hanzi. Welcome to the show, Hanzi. Hey, what's what's going on? Um, I'll say uh, I, I went to the uh, Impact pay per view last week. It was pretty good. Um, I, I feel like with, I, I I was wondering how they're. I've been to Santino's gym for uh, another show. I was wondering how they're gonna like fit like you know like a pay for a pay per view. But actually, like, was like intimate enough where, like, you know, like, like uh, the audience actually amplified it with, like, even the, the like, you know, the limited crowd there, right? And then also the rest of were talking a lot of shit to the audience, and I think it came off the pay per view well, I guess. I don't know, but I, I, I had a blast. Uh, I, I, I met a bunch of people there. Like, I, I met Trinity. I, I had to pay for a picture with her, you know what I mean? I, I know when I'm going to meet her again and all that. Um, and yeah, no, and I, I, I basically sh- I shout out to I shout out Mike, Mike Bailey, and I said, uh, yeah, what the call? I heard you on post wrestling, whatever. He's like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. He gave me, dude, he looked like the nicest guy on the planet, Mike Bailey. I and 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 I talked to Trent Seven a little bit about uh. Uh, about him signing with Impact, and everyone was cool. I was like going to Impact shows because after the show, everyone's just chilling, and like, 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 no one's like getting out of control. So like, you know, like, like no one has to be like kicked out or anything like that. And the wrestlers are just chilling, and you can just approach them respectfully, and they're always like, you know, just cool to talk to, basically. I'm glad you had a good time. How how was the main event? I did not get a chance to see it with a uh, Zack Saber Jr. and Josh Alexander against the Machine Guns. Uh, that th- that match was really. really I-, I think all the tag matches on the show from the males, I thought they were all the match of the night. But like, I I personally would go with Mike Bailey and Trent Seven against mm-hmm. the Rascals. That's my match of the night. I thought that one was really really. It, it because again, I went I went to the uh, pay per view that came in in the summer, right? And I missed Mike Bailey um wrestling on the on the pre show. Then when I went to the tapings. Mike Bailey was in a match with Crazy Steve that lasted like three seconds. I was like, oh, I'm never going to see a, a full Mike Bailey match. But I actually saw one, and he was like, you know, again, like, it, it was a cool surprise. I don't think anyone suspected that Trent would show up, whatever. And when they, and when they you know, announced that he's going to sign with the company, he got, like, you know, a standing ovation and everything like that. It was, it was, it was a pretty cool uh, pretty cool event. Um, and, because you mentioned the news, I'll just say this, because it, it seeps into, like, because, again, like, with um. Like all this forced edge lord stuff, right? I, I feel like with other interests that I'm also interested in, like whether it be comedy or politics, right? I feel like that kind of tabloid level, like edge, ed, like you know, like if you just look at what goes on in Congress daily and how much of, of that's like a show, like to, like two, like one MMA guy as a senator was going to challenge some guy, like right there, right? And I just think society is just regressing, and like I, I it. it I feel like depressed about it because I hate mentioning it because then it ruins everyone else's good time and shit. But at the same time, it's like it's concerning because like in the midst of this all being embraced, it's like there's like political ramifications with like normalized hatred toward the LGBTQ community and for like you know with the racism, especially and, and you can't say that's not political because when you make a whole show about Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones all coming to the UFC event, it's obviously all political. So I, I'm I'm glad you touched upon it, Paul. Like I, I understand because some of the audience, you know, you, you might get hatred for it. I because again, what they call like nowadays advocating for like you know good shit is like 
seen as a bad a bad thing for some reason. So I I give you kudos for mentioning it. It's not an easy thing to do because I don't know. It, but I just I get depressed about it. But my question is, do you guys think that this kind of stuff with TKO like you know being around, do you think this will seep in? to, like, WWE style as well? Like, do you think that kind of stuff will happen with WWE? Because, again, you can't say that it can't because of, like, you know, the, the ramifications of them being underneath the Endeavor deal. And I'll leave you guys with that. Uh, thank you again for the good shows, as always. Peace out. Thank you, Hansi. I mean, I do I do see a distinction between the two. Like, I, I really believe if we had a WWE press conference and someone dropped uh, a, an, an F word, much less repeatedly, um, that would be a major issue I would feel in, in a, in a WWE setting, no less that I feel the fan base would, there would be great uproar over. Um, yeah. Whereas I feel it is, I, I, I don't doubt for a second that there's a, a lot of MMA fans that probably cringe just like me when they hear Sean Strickland uses that, those words in such a brazen way on a, on a podium. But I I think it comes from the top down that Dana has made it clear. We don't police language and there will be, you you almost say like is, is just complete um, ignorance of not ignorance, but total, um, you know, hear no evil, see no evil. We just allow everyone. Are you encouraging this or, or, or not, but this is not going to be a story in MMA. It's just, it's almost part of the fabric. As far as, you know, TKO or Ario Manual is concerned, I mean, as long as these companies are making money and sucking the money out of their specific demographics, I don't think he gives a shit. You know, it's only at the point where maybe a comment might like seep into the mainstream and might actually start to affect business that he might pay attention. But I mean, I look at how successful the UFC has been up until this point, playing exactly to that demographic, how successful the WWE is, you know, playing to its demographic. I have a feeling he, he's just going to let these, you know, companies run as, as they have been, um, you know, cater to, to the, to the Trump fans, you know, uh, and, and make the money off of them. Whereas WWE, uh, I think has largely stayed away from uh, that entirely. And, you know, seems to be more catering itself towards, um, maybe more of an apolitical, you know, sort of, um, um, I don't know, group. So, um, you know, what Dana I, White told Tucker Carlson this week, what's that? He was doing uh, the media rounds. Uh, he said, if you're a real Patriot, you would be drinking gallons and gallons of Bud Light who just coincidentally have signed a uh, nine figure sponsorship deal with the UFC. You'd and wasn't, wasn't that the brand that was in trouble or something like this was, was uh, Budweiser went through or Anheuser-Busch. Uh, went through their controversy of uh of uh what was the influencer's name the uh the transgender influencer anyway that they were utilizing and then received all this backlash from a certain segment over and mm-hmm. they have been uh, this is when like Kid Rock like shot up uh Bud Light beer so like okay. they've been through their own kind of a PR crisis and now you like piggyback with like the UFC and like don't think for a second like there isn't some strategy here of jumping on with a promotion that is considered like the the anti-woke sport and, like mm-hmm. UFC has kind of I'm not saying they they own that that market but they certainly populate in that that area of sport uh, so what's Dana's justification for um being a patriot and drinking Bud, Bud Light? What, what's he well, saying? Uh, he said the word. I don't know. I, I don't know what makes you a patriot <laughs> drinking Bud Light. I mean, okay. I think I, like, you know, Bud Light, if I mean, if your life depended on it, are you reaching for a Bud Light? I I don't know. 
Are yeah. you a Bud Light fan? I don't want to insult you. I, Bud Light. I, I just there, there's really. options out there. I don't know if Bud Light's in your top fifty. Right. Um. I maybe not, but um, I'm not a patriot. At you, least not an American I, patriot. We are not. We are not Americans. Blue light. Blue light. That's what we reach for. Yeah. That is it. All right. Well, folks, we have reached the end of this caller portion because now we're moving on to written feedback because we have a couple here before we sign off. And we're going to start things off with Jermaine. Always like to hear from Jermaine. Let's see what he thought of tonight's show. Before I get started, I would like to say, Liv, next time you get in trouble, hit me up. I'll come bail you out. Okay, thanks, Jermaine. Uh, decent episode of SmackDown. It was cool to see the couch select the couch sectional champion back on the show. Love seeing AJ Styles back, but he just hit Roman in the face, and the bloodline lets him walk right past him. That makes no sense, Hunter. When you booked NXT, you treated tag teams with respect. Now you're the man, and the champs haven't been on SmackDown in weeks. Your tag team division is in shambles. Lastly, I have nothing but respect for the way John breaks down tournaments. How would he handicap this U.S. title tournament? Who is the favorite? Who will this elevate? Should this have been a one one and out format or round robin style like the G1 or the Continental Classic? <laughs> yeah, I would have loved the Continental Classic with Austin Theory and uh, Grayson Waller and uh, all, all the others here. Carrying Cross, welcome back, Way. You deserve all the vacation time. He really does. Um, well, I I see this. To, um, I, I think you have um, outcomes here where it could be. I would say Lashley and Owens would probably be uh, if we're looking at a television match for Logan Paul. Um, there's several options where where you could go um, with, with these four. Sorry, we're predicting the the outcome of the number tournament. one contenders tournament. So oh, okay. we got Santos and Lashley and Owens against Carmelo Hayes. I feel like it'll be Owens, and if you are choosing to look at spoilers, you might even find out by by the end of this podcast. I have not seen them yet, but. Um, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll, it's, it, this will all kind of be moot, you know, uh, in a few minutes. <laughs> Good point. Let's go up next to Manny from Pacoima, who ends things off. He says, I went to GCW's highest in the room two last Saturday from the, uh, for the debut of Andrade. It was probably the weakest show I've been to of theirs, and they decided to make it a long four hour show where you could feel the crowd was drained by the time the main event started. I took my camera and got some pretty good shots I was proud of, showing that true do it yourself mentality. I'm looking forward to Dragon Lee continuing his Universal Challenge next week on both NXT and SmackDown. With Alex Hammerstone and Deanna reaching free agent status, where do you think they'll land? Also, how about that hard-to-kill X-Division three-way as he sends us some uh, very cool shots here of uh, Maki Ito. Uh, very nice photos. Kevin Koo looks like. So, cool. Yeah, so they announced for Hard to Kill today that they will have Chris Saban defending the X-Division title against Kushida and El Hijo Del Vikingo. So, that's a, a great match for hard to kill. Vikingo just seems like the person you put, um, you sprinkle Anywhere. on top of any show without any sort of build, any sort of like, I don't promo video package whatsoever. And immediately like it's, it's an extra like attraction that feels just, like worthy of paying for, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I feel that that, um, the following night, they're doing the television tapings at the Palms in Vegas, and they're at like under 400 tickets for the show. And yet they have Okada, Osprey, and Vikingo on those TV tapings the next mm. night. Like, that's crazy. Um, so, I mean, they, they are loading up with some some big, big talent for uh, the show. By, by the way, Vikingo tonight was on both Rampage and Final Battle at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Isn't that like the Von Erics as well? The Von Erics were in a separate match. Yeah, it, well, but you're right. They were both on Final Battle and Ramp. It was so mm-hmm. weird. During Zero Hour, they're plugging Rampage. Like they're putting, they're going through the match graphics tonight yeah. on Rampage. I'm like, <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the pay-per-view pre-show is hyping up the, the other show that we're running head-to-head with ourselves with, which I guess you're trying to <laughs> juggle all these this things. This is next but- level th- th- wrestling t- booking, John. You Dude, know, This was like, if ever there was a, like, we've got way too much on our plate, this <laughs> is the perfect example of it. Yeah. So as we get, what, five hours of AEW tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you have it. That's all of everyone's homework for you. Uh, again, if you're tuning in free for the first time uh, on a Friday night, uh, we're live each and every Friday at postwrestlingcafe.com. If you sign up, you get 30 days access to the cafe for $6 uh, US. And if you want to stick around, we hope you enjoy the content that's up there. We do minimum of three bonus shows per week. This week, you're getting, well, you already have Rewind Away covering The Ultimate Fighter Season 1. And then we've got a Collision Course coming up on Saturday and Rewind to SmackDown each and every Friday on the cafe so uh, consider joining and uh, next week we are back with all of our shows and everything leads up to the post-wrestling christmas show on christmas eve many 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 of the surprise guests the friends and family of post-wrestling stopping by unannounced uh, to catch up with myself and waiting and our jingle contest is open through next thursday december the 21st we will see how the jingle contest uh, lives up to past contests, but you can submit at forum.postwrestling.com. All of the, uh, all of the instructions are there in the thread. So feel free to post your jingle. We will play all of them on the Christmas show and award the winner of the 2023 post wrestling Christmas jingle contest winner. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks here as we close off the end of the year. So um, thank you everybody for your support. And if you enjoy this podcast, um, consider signing up. And hit the button. Hit subscribe. You know, you get like some graphics now when you hit subscribe. It's kind of a fun feeling. Do you really? What do you mean? Yeah. It's like, at least on my, when I hit subscribe, it's like some balloons or stuff like come out. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's kind of nice. I'd love for people to demonstrate. So let's go on a subscription spree. Just sign up to like a hundred channels. So there you have it. Good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak with you next week.